listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm John. Thanks so much for joining us today. So John, I've got four kids. They're young, they're little, but I'm already worried about things. I'm worried about them being on the bus with other people with devices and what they're going to see on their phones, because it just seems like problems like pornography, lots of things, but that specifically is sort of scary to me. You know, it's everywhere, but I don't necessarily know how to talk to them about it and where to go for information about it. Mm, I think you're not alone in feeling like that. There's a lot of parents that feel that way. And uh, we just recently had a conversation on the podcast with Lance Lawson, who's the director of our marriage and family ministries here at Clear Creek, and Kyle McKillen, who's the Clear Lake student director. And uh, man, these guys just they've dealt with this issue a lot with with people coming in and asking for help and that kind of thing and they just have a lot of great practical wisdom of how to follow Jesus and how to fight pornography well even if you're um, not somebody who's struggling with it but if you're coming alongside somebody who is how to help them through the issue and man it was just a great conversation and I hope it's an encouragement to you listen well, welcome to the Clear Creek Resources podcast. Uh, Lance and Kyle, thanks so much for being here, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad yeah, to be here. Glad to be here, too. It's going to be good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, today we're talking about something it seems like nobody in the Christian circles really want to talk about, but it's a sweeping, far-reaching pandemic, and it's not COVID, and it's something we really felt like we needed to address, especially coming off of our Faith and Technology message series. I'm talking, of course, as you probably know from reading the title of this episode, about pornography. But guys, even though it does feel like nobody uh, in the Christian world really wants to talk about it, it's definitely present, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of statistics and research out there that show uh, the traffic on pornography websites is through the roof uh, and the pandemic has just accelerated that. Mm -hmm. So it was already... It was already a thing, and the the pandemic has kind of exacerbated it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So um, why do you think pornography is kind of a taboo subject right now to talk about in in the church world? Well, I think in the church world, it's taboo because anything to do with sex is taboo. Mm -hmm. The church community tends to be very modest, and that's a good thing in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. uh, that, that makes... Any conversation around sex and pornography and all these things, uh, just taboo is, is a really good word. People don't talk about it openly uh, in church circles, usually. I think, though, in, in, in kind of student culture, in the world that I kind of have my eyes focused on, we see kind of this shift, though, where it's not as much taboo, right? In, in, especially with their friend groups. Like, it might be taboo to bring into your home. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're probably not, as a high school or junior high student, going to bring it up to your parents. Um, but your friend groups, for sure. I mean, like, studies have done, Barna Research is a group of people who have done a lot of research in this particular issue, and they mm-hmm. say that it is over 71% of students wow. engage in pornography. And it gets even worse than that, because... Um, only 32% of them feel like it's wrong. Like they've answered and said, no, we don't really see anything wrong with this. Mm. And it's just widespread. That's kind of just the approach. So there's this shift away from, I think maybe it's because of their adolescence in some senses, they just don't have the cognitive skills to be like, man, this is something that I shouldn't be engaged with. And over time, they'll kind of develop some of those thoughts. But um, at least right now, what it's looking is like, man, we might even see a cultural shift in the years mm-hmm. to come of pornography becoming less taboo 
with future generations. Yeah, well, I think we're already seeing that shift a little bit just with, um, you know, the content that you see in a lot of uh, Netflix shows. Mm. And I mean, not just Netflix, but Hulu and Amazon and all those is like, I feel like you really got to, you know, do your research ahead of time before you just watch something because a lot of it includes, you know, nudity and sexual content and stuff nowadays. If it's got that, you know, mature rating on it, a lot of times that's going to be in there. So for sure, um, feels like you're just seeing a lot more of it. Yeah, it's it's becoming normalized for sure. Mm. And the the thing we have to keep in mind, though, is the last statistic I read was that the average age of exposure to pornography for the first time is nine. Wow. wow. So that's the average age of a kid seeing their first pornographic image, nine years old. So if you see something like that at such a young age and no one has given you framework ahead of time for knowing that you how you should think about that and that it, there's a right and a wrong way to think about sex and nudity and all of those things, then, yeah, it makes sense that kids are growing up and, and being exposed to this and, and using it and then saying, I don't know that it's wrong. It doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily feel wrong to me. For sure. Yeah. Is a widespread, and, and as those things continue to develop, right? Like as you, as we normalize these things within culture, I think we push the boundaries just a little bit further, and then we start to engage with new things, right? Some people are even calling kind of the porn pandemic or this 2.0 pornography or porn two, porn 2.0 mm-hmm. um, is really like what we're seeing shift is away from just you know impersonal pornography to personal pornography, right? Mm-hmm. Like through. Um, means like Snapchat, Instagram, and then websites like OnlyFans, there's this personal element where you incorporate a relationship into the category, into the framework. And I'd say that is being engaged in the younger generations um, and it's probably far more taboo than the other. Like you don't talk about the fact that you know, you have sent or received a nude image from someone that you know. Yeah. That is far more taboo mm. in, in the earlier generation, but it's just, it's just telling that that boundary continues to get pushed. Yeah. Man. It's crazy stuff. So we spent a little bit of time during the Faith and Technology series talking about addiction um, to technology, and it's a little a little bit of a different sense than what you would normally hear with, you know, alcohol or drug addiction. But this idea of lust isn't really new. So um, how would you say it's evolved in modern times? Well, I mean, technology has made all of this so much more available. Like we're, we're all walking around with access to this in our pockets or purses. Mm-hmm. I mean, back when we were growing up, uh, I mean, you had to really search this stuff out. You had to, if you were going to look for pornographic images, then, I mean, it didn't come easy. But now mm-hmm. any, any device connected to the internet can give you access to anything you want to see. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, th- I think availability just removes some of the layers that kept people from access. And then, uh, so now because you can have access to this at any time, you're just fed. Like if you want it, you can just, you can just keep reaching for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just that the lust isn't necessarily new, but the availability of the temptation is like, it's Mm -hmm. just, there's a constant fuel source for that temptation to continue to grow and fester Mm -hmm. in people's hearts. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, bringing up the, the idea that it's so readily available and that we have access to it pretty much everywhere we go leads into this idea of kind of isolation then. And so you have this already kind of, you know, very um, addictive sort of thing happening, and then it's happening a lot in isolation. So nobody even knows that this is going on with you. So 
Um, how do you think that like compounds the problem? Well, I mean, if, again, we're talking about a subject that for many people is taboo. Yeah. So if you, if you are, um, regularly engaging with pornography and you feel even some addiction toward it, who are you going to talk to about that? Right. I mean, it is, it is a taboo thing in, in most circles. Mm -hmm. If, if you're a student or even someone who's around a group of people that it's more normal for, I mean, maybe it's just part of your conversation, but yeah, it, it makes sense that if you're, if you're struggling with this, you, that you feel isolated in your struggle. For sure. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much loss involved in that too. Like if this becomes found out, like if I confess, like I lose everything, right? I might lose um, my family, my job, my career, my ministry, whatever it might be. The, mm -hmm. like, it, it drives you to isolation into this belief, like I can fight this on my own. If there's conviction there, right? Like I can fight this on my own. I can attack this from this way or this way and this way. And I'll, I'll, search, I'll look out resources, all this stuff, but um, I can isolate myself in this to keep like on the outside, I'm okay. But in the inside, I'm being destroyed all the while. Mm -hmm. So I think it just compounds that. And you know that it's true that like you can grab any book on the issue of purity or pornography or sexual temptation that like kind of speaks to these things. Every chat, every book has a chapter or section dedicated to like limit the amount of time that you're alone. Not just like that you're talking about it with someone, but like, don't be alone in this struggle, be with people. So you yeah. know that it's important. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And I'd, I'd love to get in some practical ways that we can kind of talk about how to do some of that. But before we do, I think it's important to address there's, there's a lot of people, you know, who maybe they don't struggle with this particular issue, or they don't, they feel like they don't know somebody who does. And it can feel a little just black and white, a little cut and dry, like, hey, this is wrong. Don't do it. You know, what's, yeah. what's, what's hard about that? It's just point blank. Um, but why do you think this particular issue seems to be more difficult than that for a lot of people? And what's so dangerous about it? I think I think I see this in parents a lot when I interact with students. It's like a parent comes to me, they, they either have found out for the first time that their uh, student is struggling with pornography, and there's this like just kind of like gut reaction of just you tense up and you're like, no, like there's the, and there's there's some health to that. There's some, mm -hmm. and then there's some disbelief. Like how, how could they do that? Like there's this um, natural like it's so uncommon to their experience that it's very difficult to, for them to kind of like walk some steps in this person's shoes. And so I think empathy is a big, really important thing as, as this conversation unfolds of like being able to walk alongside someone in this is to um, have this kind of, uh, you know, we see from scripture that this is um, something that is sinful. And so we should have this righteous response against it of, uh, of anger or even wrath. Like there's, that is a holy thing. Um, but then there's also this moment where like, if we can't stomach it, then it's really hard to walk alongside someone. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it just seems so foreign to our experience. But, um, if I think, I think the word disgust is often the one that I, I experience yeah. or see from someone who is unable to kind of overcome some of that stuff. And it's just really damaging to, um, being able to walk alongside that person in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because now not only do they have all the feelings that they have, but they also feel like from the, from the outside that, you know, they're repulsive or something yeah. to this person who's they are seeking help from or something Absolutely. like that. Yeah. So with drugs and alcohol and a lot of the other vices that uh, we hear about, uh, the effects always seem to be fairly obvious. But one of the things that feels sort of unique to this specific issue is the phrase, well, I'm not hurting anybody else by looking at this stuff. So, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I, I feel like I've heard that before, mm -hmm. kind of out there in the world and... It's always, it's always interesting of like, what do you say to that? 
Yeah. Like this idea, like I'm not hurt. Why this action is a personal one. Even if you have a family or you might be alone, it's like, uh, I'm not hurting anyone by what I'm doing so I can continue to engage in this. Yeah. That's, that's a, a normal argument. I think that's one of those things where if you talk to someone who's engaged in pornography for a long time, that they'll, um, they always have this moment where they've kind of like developed this worldview and this man- mentality where they walk that path for so long. And then they find themselves in such brokenness and they look back and the, it's so cloudy. They can't even see how they got there. Mm. Right. That's, I think the lie of the temptation, the lie of the sin, it really wants you to believe that's kind of what it's advertisement is. Hey, here's some self gratification that you can experience and walk in on a regular basis. And as long as no one knows about it, it's not hurting someone, right? It's not hurting anybody. This is your own personal struggle or it's your own um, personal actions and you can go as long as you want, but there's things that begin to happen um, to your heart and to your mind that you might even be able to point to. But I, I think that's why it's so important to walk along this issue with other people, especially people who have struggled with it and found some sort of victory over it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because they'll point to you and be like, Hey, here's the areas in your life that you don't even see what are changing right now. Mm-hmm. Right. I I've, I've sat with people. Um, there was a 35 year old dude that I was sitting with and, um, for the first time ever, he confessed his addiction to someone. He said, I started looking at pornography when I was young. Um, when I was like nine years old and, uh, no one ever caught me. No one ever found out. I never told anyone and I don't know how to get out of it now. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's just, I don't even necessarily want to at this point anymore. It's just such an addiction in my life, such a habit that, I don't know how I got here and I can't, I couldn't tell someone how I got here. And mm-hmm. so since I don't know how I got here, I don't know how to get out. Hmm. I don't know if that. Yeah. Happens. And the idea that it, it isn't harmful to other people is definitely a lie. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we could, we could just run down a bullet point list of all the people that pornography harms. I mean, the women who are involved are often exploited and not doing this because they want to. There, there's all kinds of things you can read on uh, what they go through. And so mm-hmm. th- there's, there's a whole industry of people being harmed because they're producing this content and some of them being exploited along the way. Yeah. Uh, if you're married or you hope to be married one day, the idea that you could do something so selfish and participate in something so selfish and it not be harmful for your own ability to love your spouse selflessly and to view sex the way God does, uh, that's, that's harmful for marriage. And, mm-hmm. and then when you, think about, when you think about how it affects your own heart and to consider that you could, you could follow Jesus closely and, and be a... I, I like the distinction Greg Poor gave in a recent sermon in our Good and Angry series. Mm-hmm. It's like the difference between uh, being a follower of Jesus and a guy who goes to church, like that's just, that's worth thinking about. And so Mm -hmm. if you regularly uh, look at pornography and what that does to your heart and your ability to be a follower of Jesus versus someone, some guy that just goes to church or or woman that goes to church, uh, that affects everything about the way you follow Jesus and your ability to be missional in this world, your ability Mm -hmm. to love others more than you love yourself, Mm -hmm. to take part in all of the things that God calls you to as a, as a small group member, or as someone who's in our community and making a difference in the world. Like you're walking around with clouded vision as a, as, as a Christian or a churchgoer. Mm -hmm. And so we could just keep going on on all the ways this is harming other people. But it, but it, it feels, I I get it. It feels like this thing that because no one has to know about it and you can, you can do this in isolation and alone that it really doesn't hurt anybody, but, Mm. but it has ripple effects in every aspect of your life. Mm. 
Yeah. I, uh, I just want to throw this in. I have a friend who's is um, not a Christian, doesn't go to church. We've been friends for a long time, and uh, just recently he he called me and said, "This is there's a problem. Yeah, like this has been going on in my life." And this guy's not, you know, he's not a follower of Christ at all, and he recognizes that it's doing something to him that he doesn't want it to do, yeah. and he said, "I need your help." And you're the only person I feel like I can talk to you. So, um, yeah. So I, I think I think even if you're even if you're um, if you're not a follower of Christ, it does stuff to you. If Absolutely. you are a follower of Christ, man, yeah, it really does stuff to you. Absolutely. So, um, so we talked a little bit about marriage, and I think that's an important thing to to bring up because there's there's a little bit of this notion. It's like, oh, once I get married, maybe this isn't going to be an issue anymore, or maybe it'll just take care of itself, or something like that, and. I think that that is a, a lie that a lot of guys fall into, a lot of ladies fall into. Um, and so if marriage is this covenant relationship and uh, we're trying to, to honor that, uh, how is pornography like an affront to marriage? That, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a loaded question because uh, God has given us sex for so many good reasons. Um, it, for human flourishing, for uh, the growth of humanity. But even I remember having the sex talk with my oldest and I just, I, I wanted him to hear like, son, sex is good for marriage mm. <laughs> because of because of the intimacy and the oneness that you experience. And so when pornography is is mixed in with that or, or something that clouds the marriage relationship, it, it, it diminishes sex, the ability sex has to be good for your marriage mm. because it's now a selfish thing mm. and not, not a thing for us. It's a thing for me. Mm-hmm. And so just right out of the gate, that's, I think that's a big issue with, with how pornography affects marriage. And I think too with that, like it, it affects your marriage because if we get to the heart of what lust is, right? Lust, uh, pornography is the... Um, outward expression of an inward, something that's happening internally within you in your heart. And it's that, that sin is something we call lust, right? There is this desire for something else outside of the confines of your marriage. So um, without fail, it will produce in the heart of your spouse um, this type of mentality where it's like, no, I am not enough, right? It will bring that to the table because that's what lust is. Lust is this desire for something more, something outside of your, your, your desiring for either another man or another woman, even, even if it's not even physically, but with your eyes, with your mind, with your heart, it's like, Mm -hmm. and that just creates a lot of insecurities. Um, I think in, in your spouse, right? It just, just will inevitably will lead to that place in their mind and their heart. And so, and then with tons of other ramifications as well, but I think that's a big one. Yeah. A couple of years ago, we had Joby Martin here, who is a pastor from Florida and he did a a men's event Mm -hmm. for us. And one of the things I appreciate about what he says about all these things is he says, men, your standard of beauty is your wife. Hmm. So whoever you're married to, that is the definition of beauty for you. Hmm. So then he, he goes on to, I mean, to tease that out a little bit, but when, when you are looking at, at other women or men or, or whatever, you, you're like Kyle said, you're creating insecurities. You're, you're not communicating to your spouse. You are what I find beautiful. Mm. 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 Yeah. 
So what if you're a, you know, what if you're a single person listening to this and you're like, okay, that's great. If you're married, I'm not married yet. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to them? How, how can they even now begin to honor marriage? Even if they're, they're not married, maybe they're not going to be married. How can they honor marriage? Well, you, you hinted on it a few minutes ago where you said that, uh, often guys think, well, when I get married, this won't, this won't be something I need to do, mm-hmm. or it won't be a problem. And any guy who's ever struggled with, with pornography and then gotten married, every one of them would tell you that's a lie. Mm-hmm. You're, you're believing a lie because marriage doesn't just suddenly change any of that. I mean, mm-hmm. so. It doesn't always just change your heart and your mind and all right. this stuff. You still have those same things you're bringing in. Yeah, absolutely. Just like your spouse does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think also too that it's... Um, in the midst of your singleness, like I understand the difficulty and the struggle that's there. Um, uh, but I think the important thing to remember is like what marriage is supposed to represent as well, right? Even in the midst of your singleness, there's an aspect of your relationship with Christ so that you begin to realize that marriage is a, is a symbol of your relationship with Christ. And what Christ has called us to, what he's saved you from is he's, he has not called you to impurity, but purity, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, there's still this... Um, this calling of um, holiness for you in the midst of your singleness that is both beautiful, God-honoring, and winsome, um, both for your future spouse, but even if you are to remain single for the rest of your life, like there is um, purpose and value in that um, Mm. to continue to pursue that. Because sometimes kind of the far-off approach, I I, I remember when I was a single person, the, the like, hey, stay pure for your future spouse. That's just really hard on the daily in the moment type of mm-hmm. things. And so I think the gospel kind of girds us with even more in the midst of it. It, 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 it kind of, um, uh, kind of brings it to a place of, uh, like eternal value when we look at the cross as the means like marriage is a picture of this. And so I have that to look for. That's not even a, that's not just a futuristic thing. That's a thing here and now and present. And so, mm-hmm. um, but it is tough, man, and for, for single people, I think, to get over some of that and to fight through that. Um, but again, community is important in that. That's why you can't do this alone. Yeah, and, and pornography is is an easy fix for sexual desire when you're single mm. because there, is, there isn't an outlet, and we're sexual creatures. And so, mm-hmm. like, all of that desire in you, if you're single, is, is natural. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's part of our humanity. It's part of who you are. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it makes sense that this, this is something that feels like it's okay for now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this point, if you're single and you're listening, at this point in your life, if you are viewing your sexuality as a me thing, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that is a, that's a selfish view of sexuality. And it's going to be challenging for you when you become married to shift that, uh, to, to shift away from me and, and make it about us. Mm-hmm. And I think with that too, I think something that I've heard Lance that just kind of made a thought jump in my head as you were talking, but it's like, I've also heard single people say like, okay, well, which would you rather me do, right? Would you rather me engage in pornography or go out and have kind of this, um, just kind of like sexual life where I just experience like, like this is, seems like a better alternative, but again, it's, it it goes back to the pervasiveness of pornography is like, you don't know what it's actually doing and rewiring in your head. Neither options are good, right? Right. (laughs) Um, but uh, it's this seems safer. I think that's what porn kind of sure. tends to create in your mind as a single person because it's not actually we go fall back into that lie. It's not actually hurting anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we we all probably know shifting gears here a little bit. We all probably know that that pornography is not 
specifically mentioned in the Bible. It doesn't say pornography anywhere in there, but it does say a lot about that type of issue. And so what does the Bible have to say about pornography? Well, again, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Colossians three. Um, this first, first thought for me, and it, it's not speaking specifically about pornography, but, uh, but Paul writes, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He goes, he's talking about this, this new life in Christ. He's like, you, you have all of these things in you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then the, the goodness of God's grace is that he, he, through grace, gives us the ability to begin to put to death things like sexual immorality and lust mm-hmm. and, and these desires or, or unhealthy uh, expressions of these desires. Mm-hmm. And he gives us this new self, this new life, this new heart. And, and so that's what, that's the first thought that comes to mind for me mm-hmm. is as a new creation in Christ, there, there's a different narrative for sexual desire in our hearts and in our lives that, that God gives us um, through grace in Christ. Mm-hmm. Man, so good. I think another passage that jumps into mind for me is 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter, three, or chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. It says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress, that, that no one transgress and wrongs his brother in this manner. Because the Lord is the avenger in all of these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has called us, God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And I think you see in this picture, just God calling, he's like, hey man, this is what I've called you to. I've called you out of your sin. I've called you out of darkness to sanctify you, to grow you. This doesn't mean that you experience immediate perfection, but in all areas of your life, like there is this means by which God is growing us. And I think he would say now, even though pornography isn't um, listed here because it wasn't a thing like it is today, but he would say that is a front to the will for which God has called you out. Like that is a threat to that. And he's going to grow you out of that. And so um, I even love how, how this text kind of even points to the fact that it's like, you're sinning against your brother. So if there's any ounce of that mentality, like I'm not hurting anybody is like, no, you are, this is Mm -hmm. harmful. Like we can look at the testimony of um, the authors of scripture and see that, man, this is an affront to um, our right relationship with God and one another Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah, man, it's good. It's good stuff. And you know, the Bible, um, it has a lot to say about sex and, uh, and our, how we use it, our relationship with sex. But we've also been throwing around this word throughout this conversation, uh, selfishness, and the Bible does have a lot to say about selfishness. And so how would you say that this issue is, is so intricately tied to selfishness? And, and maybe that's like the root of the, the problem. There. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what we've been saying the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, pornography is something that we do alone. It's something that causes us to feel isolated. It's something that for many people piles shame and guilt on in their conscience and and affects their relationship with God and others and and so it is it is something that continues to isolate us and but because it's this thing we do alone and it it brings such satisfaction 
that we're, we're, we just keep feeding the beast. So mm-hmm. there, there's this aspect of it's all about me. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, every, everything about looking at porn and then the effects of porn are all wrapped up in selfishness. I mean, the, the guilt and shame we carry after looking at porn, that's, that's selfish. Mm-hmm. That's a selfish view of sin in our lives. When, when grace uh, when the grace of Jesus forgives us, but we hold on to guilt and shame, again, we're 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 processing sin in a selfish way, mm-hmm. rather than in a gracious way. Yeah, and I would say too that even in your response against pornography, like how you choose to fight it, like or not fight it, right? Those are also um, examples of how this selfishness begins to kind of fester and grow. For instance, like, I mean, if you don't view um, pornography as like a, a sin or it's not something that's truly that damaging, I think you're, you're I think about how so, to look at the, the widespread of examples of saying like, this is damaging. And then you're gonna be like, nah, like, I'm not, I, for I, me. not for yeah. me. Yeah. I understand how that can become an issue for someone else, but it will never get to that place for me. Right. Um, and then for the person who, like Lance said, is kind of in this position of like, you know, I, I, I see pornography as being damaging and I hate it about myself and in my life. And you have this inward view of kind of disgust even toward yourself. Um, but yet you're not willing to kind of take the steps to become known in the midst of that struggle. That's also an act of selfishness because you're like, I, I think I can beat this on my own, even though there's tons of people saying, Hey, you can't, you can't do this. You're going to continue to just kind of try anyways. And you're not going to bring the right people in because of what you're afraid of what you're going to lose. I think that's just another expression of selfishness. Like I want, therefore I cannot risk. Um, and I'll continue to try to fight this. And it's almost like this sociopathic mentality. Like you keep trying the same things over and over again and yeah. not finding any success or yeah. help in it. Hmm. And it's good stuff. Um, so if there's somebody out there who is actively struggling with this issue, uh, what are some practical things you guys would say they could do right now even to just start fighting back? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I would say to someone, and I have said, is uh, I, I go to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about lust. He says, you know, adultery is bad. I mean, we would all, like everyone can agree, mm-hmm. adultery is bad. But he says uh, that, that lust is the same way. It's adultery in the heart. And then his next statement is, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off for it's better to enter heaven missing body parts than to be thrown into hell with all of who you are. And, and so certainly Jesus is speaking in hyperbole there. He's, he's over speaking, but, and so people, I mean, commentators, they all say, oh yeah, this is all hyperbole, but I'm convinced if Jesus were here standing before us, he would say, you do whatever it takes to Mm -hmm. fight sin. You put every boundary up, you like whatever it takes. And so if, having a smartphone is a problem, then get a flip phone. Mm. If having Netflix is a problem, then cancel your Netflix subscription. Like take actual physical steps to put some boundaries and some hurdles in your life to make it more challenging. Now that's not the solution, Mm -hmm. but that's always what I'm going to say is the first step. Yeah. Radical measures. Yeah, absolutely. Radical measures. Mm -hmm. I think with that, coupled with that, it's like find someone who has walked this battle and ask them to walk it with you. Absolutely. Right? Like an accountability partner. And I think some of the challenging things with that is you often think like, okay, who's close to me? And I'm just going to go to them. Like, John, you even talked about your friend who came to you. And so it's good. It's like you need people in your life that you can turn to and go to. But it's like evaluating who that person is going to be is also important, right? Like I think, I mean, 
that's why being a part of a small group is important, I think, because there's, there's, hey, there's immediate people right here that your small group leader or someone that you can go to who you can know and trust and start having those conversations. But I just also think it's very helpful to um, have someone who's found, um, kind of walked this path and found some type of victory because they can help you kind of navigate through those types of things. So mm -hmm. uh, if someone who's struggling, if you don't have an accountability partner, find one and then be very very clear and in, in inviting of them to be as invasive in your life as you can, right? That they mm -hmm. can get in and have real hard conversations. Cause I think a lot of times we kind of find accountability partners, but then they either um, trickle off or I know I've been a horrible accountability partner throughout my life to certain <laughs> yeah. people, right? And so right. if you're also, if you're listening, you're someone who is an accountability partner, take that seriously, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's important. Uh, another tool that is helpful both for a person who's struggling and for someone who is helping someone stay accountable is uh, Covenant Eyes, mm. uh, which is a subscription service you can put on all your devices that uh, filters and, and tracks what, you, what you're doing online. And then a, report, a weekly report of that is sent to whoever you designate. And so that's good as someone who's helping someone stay accountable to receive that weekly email, like, hey, here's what's been going on in that person's devices. Again, all these things, like in any, any tool we, we try and recommend, there are, there are ways around it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But every step you take is a step in the right direction toward helping you be free from the the addiction, the, the guilt and the shame that all go with the use of pornography. Uh, but you, you have to make it known. I'm going to just say what Kyle already said. Like you, you have to make someone in your life aware of what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, until you're willing to do that, it's going to stay, it's going to remain something private in your mm -hmm. life. And if it's private, it's, it's going to likely be something you continue to struggle with. Mm, for sure. Cancerous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would also say to, to someone who's in the midst of struggling with pornography, just because I see this as such a regular rhythm um, in, not, in people's lives when they're dealing with this struggle, is simply to kind of, Lance, you, you alluded to this earlier, but evaluate your sorrow. Like what type of sorrow are you bringing to the table in this conversation? Um, mm -hmm. Guilt is a horrible motivation to fighting sin not just pornography, any sin. Guilt is a horrible motivator because it only lasts as long as that emotion is there. Mm. It only lasts as long as I feel guilty. And so, and what's driving that is kind of this selfish kind of pursuit of um, like, I want to preserve my life. Like, I cannot believe I've gotten here. I can't believe that I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm such a bad person. And all this is like, that doesn't actually free you from it. That it's the same motivation that got you there, right? Like, this is what I want. And then, and, and so I'm going to view pornography or here in this moment, it's like, I feel bad about it. This is what I want to keep. And I'm afraid I'm going to lose. And so it's this worldly sorrow that we kind of walk in. And so uh, godly sorrow is different. Godly sorrow is built, is based on confession, right? It's based based on conviction. It's based on belief. It's, it's based on the grace of Jesus Christ, right? It's this acknowledgement that um, like confession is an interesting term. Like we don't go to the throne room of God thinking I am a horrible person. Like we have access to the throne room of God. So what does that tell us about the way that like the type of relationship that we have with God? If he, if he's opened up the, the doors for you to be able to walk in and stand before him in the midst of your brokenness, then it's like, oh, then this needs to change the way that I view myself even in the midst of the sin. So confession is repenting, acknowledging your sin, but it's not this just sitting in this sense of like um, this worthlessness or self-worthlessness yeah. where you can't can kind of move on past that. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, Kyle and I both brought uh, the same book to recommend, <laughs> yeah. uh, but there, there's a book, a book. Um, called Finally Free, Fighting for Purity with the Power of Grace, written by Heath Lambert. And uh, I have given over a dozen copies of this book away over the years same. and uh, read it one-on-one with uh, probably five or six different guys over the years who have come to me and said, I'm struggling with this. And so I was like, all right, here's a copy and I'll read it with you and we'll discuss it a chapter at a time. But uh, one of the things I so appreciate about what Heath Lambert says that I think Kyle was hinting at, he says, the great danger in your struggle is that you will devote all of your energy to thinking true and awful things about pornography and spend no time dwelling on the true and wonderful things about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You see, we get, we get stuck in this cul-de-sac in our minds and in our hearts about how terrible this is and how terrible we are. And, and we get trapped there instead of looking at the beauty and grace of Jesus. And he says, I know I, those things are true about you. Mm. They were true about you. Yeah. But because of his grace, you're pure, you're forgiven, you're a child of God. And yeah. so when we dwell on, on grace, it's not just something that forgives us, but grace is the power to defeat addiction to pornography and shame and guilt that we, we just hold on to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Finally Free by Heath Lambert. Buy 12 copies. That's a great resource. <laughs> Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the, I, I agree. It's the only resource that I really recommend frequently. Like it's with such confidence because mm-hmm. I think it, it, it encapsulates both a just like gospel grace fueled approach to fighting sin, not just pornography. It will help you fight sin in all areas of your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Um, but specifically to the issue of pornography. And then it just comes back with this like really helpful practical, like how do you take this grace and use it as fuel in the fight against sin? Yep. You know, and so uh, he, to the person who's struggling with pornography, I feel like Lance read a Heath Lambert quote, so I have to as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he, this is just so freeing, I think. He says this to those who are struggling. There is no por- porn user so enslaved that Jesus cannot set him or her free. There is no struggle for purity so intense that Jesus' grace cannot win the battle. And there is no consequence so steep that Jesus' power cannot carry you through. Jesus' grace... Jesus's grace to change you is stronger than pornography's power to destroy you. Absolutely. Mm. And I love that. Even, even he brings up, I think your greatest fear, the consequences of being known. And he says, is Jesus's power. Like the grace that is there is greater than the consequence that you might experience from this. That's why Jesus can say confidently, cut your hand off yeah. <laughs> and cast it into the fire. Right. Cause that's a pretty severe consequence, Right. Mm-hmm. but he's confident that his grace will carry you through in the midst of that. So, Man, well, I feel like we could we could go down this road for a long time because yeah, it's, sure. it's fun. But before we get out of here, um, is there something you would say to parents of teenagers who, you know, maybe they, maybe their their teen has come to them and said, "Hey, I need help," or maybe they just suspect, or maybe they don't know anything. Maybe they just want to be ready in case something does happen. What advice do you have for them? For sure, I would say, you know, kind of um, to every parent, you never want to think the worst of your child. But I would say with the issue of pornography, based on the data that's out out there, I encourage parents to expect it in a healthy way, um, right? Not that you should, um, again, develop these thoughts that your kid is just doing horrible things that you have no evidence for. I'm not <laughs> right. encouraging that. But I think one of the, the preparatory things your heart is acknowledge your, your, your child is a sinner just like everyone else. Mm. And that just because they're your child, they can't, they are um, kind of protected from these particular struggles. And so... Um, expect it in a healthy manner so that when your kid comes to you with this struggle or you find out about it, your first response is to hug them. 
Mm. I think that's powerful, right? It communicates something. Um, and then the second thing I would say, begin to develop biblical convictions about the issue of pornography, lust, and um, all of those things, because they're not going to get that from culture. Culture's already yeah. telling us that it's going further and further and further away from that. So as you right. as a parent, if you can have um, clear biblical convictions and walk along your student with that, um, that's it. I think the worst thing you can do is like what we talked about earlier is mm-hmm. just this sense of, and you're going to feel it as a parent. I encourage you to fight against it. Um, I see this particularly in moms and to their, to their sons, or um, uh, I know this was true of my mom, like the issue of pornography, there, there's just disgust that's there and it yeah. can be difficult to kind of overcome that. And I think to approach that with grace and um, just the sense of, that's why the, even a gesture of, a, you, you find this out and your first reaction is to hug and then walk alongside. It just communicates a lot um, to your mm. student in that. Yeah. So what if you're, what if you're a parent and your kids are not teenagers yet? Maybe they're just young, um, but they're going to be a teenager someday. Oh, absolutely. Uh, how do you start now um, kind of, you know, prepping them for that or prepping yourself maybe? I don't know. Yeah, we have. you have to, and in your home, take away some of the taboo hmm. when it comes to sex because hmm. sex is God-given and it's, it's healthy. And like I told my son, it's good for marriage, right. but the world has distorted it. Our own hearts want to distort it. And so our kids are are going to, let me, listen to this, your kids will be exposed to sex. Your kids will be exposed to porn. You can't, unless you move away and build a compound somewhere <laughs> and go off the grid, which you, you should not do, <laughs> but like they're going to be exposed to the things of the world. Yeah. So don't you want them to have a healthy framework to know what to do when they're exposed to those things? Mm-hmm. So that has to start with from a very young age talking about sexuality. And I know when like there's some people listening, you hear that and it makes like it makes your stomach upset to think about having to have a conversation with your young child about their body or sexuality. But but don't you want to be your don't you want your voice to be the voice in their life about this? Mm -hmm. And if you start young, it will shape the way they come to you when they're older. When they are exposed to these things or when they really have a legitimate struggle that you are, you're the person that gets to shape the way they experience these things and walk through sinful things. So for, for us in my home, uh, we start with a book called God Made All of Me by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. Mm. It's really, it's for super young kids and it's about like, hey, God made your body. And that's a good thing. And bodies are different. Different people have different bodies. And so there's private areas and, you know, it's just, it's a conversation from when they're really young. Another resource that I really like is uh, is called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, or um, yeah, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures by Kristen Johnson. Mm. There's two different versions of that, but it's really it allows you to have a conversation with your kids about. Listen, there's gonna there's gonna be things you see online that are good, but then there are things you see online that you that are not good mm. for you, mm. and so that that gets the dialogue going. But you have to talk to your kids about these things. So, with my kids, I've I've just told them you're gonna see things you shouldn't see. I wish someone had told me that Mm. because I I still remember the first time I saw something I shouldn't have seen. Mm. And when, you know, a friend brought it over and we're standing, I I just remember that. And I didn't know what to do with that image, but I want everyone, I want all my kids to know this is how you respond to that. Yeah. Um, So talk about it. That's what like, you don't have to use those resources. Just talk to your kids about sex and porn and all these things. And doing those, taking some of those steps, I think when they become teenagers, I think if you asked, ask someone is like, ask a parent, right? Like, yeah. do you feel like your kid could come to you and talk about these things with you? I think many would say probably not. Yeah, mm. And that's because it's taboo in the home, yep. which 
parents create that culture, not students, right? Yep. Because they they just kind of walk up in what's normal. And so if it's not part of regular normal conversations, like you guys talk about this stuff, then they're not going to come to you when they're older with that. So you'll if you if if something if it's to come to your attention, it's probably because you find out about it, not because they come to you. And that's just a totally different trajectory in and of itself, right? Yep. When a student comes to you yeah. because they feel it's a safe place yep. to talk about it. Yeah, listen, if it's taboo in your home, I promise you it won't be taboo when they're in junior high yeah. if they go mm. to public school. And uh, just newsflash, it, it won't be taboo in junior high private school either. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're going to want to homeschool your kids in order to shield them from this stuff, they're going to be out of your home someday in a mm. world where it's not taboo. Yeah. So, man, just take, peel some of those layers back now. Open be, it up. Yeah, be yeah. brave enough to do it. It's because, again, sex is good. Uh, it's it's good because God gave it to us, but our our hearts and the world distort these things. And so, when we shine a light on these things, when we talk about it, it's good for all of us. Amen. Uh, well, thanks so much for being here, guys. Really appreciate you taking some time to be with us, talk about this issue. Um, for those of you listening, thanks for checking out uh, the Clear Creek Resources podcast. I hope the conversation has just been helpful for you, good for your soul, good for your heart. Um, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the Clear Creek Resources podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss any of our weekly episodes. And we'll put links to the books we mentioned um, in the description of this podcast at clearcreekresources.org. And while you're there, you can also check out some content like some articles, videos, stories, and sermons. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.